Welcome to the Life Church Auburn Hills Sermon Podcast. We're a multicultural community being transformed and empowered by the grace, truth, and love of Jesus. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this week's message. Father, we come before you today as children looking up into the open arms of our dad knowing that you're the kind of father who is generous, who is gracious and merciful, loving and compassionate. I pray that that image would just be in our minds today, especially as we dive in to a difficult topic, wrestling with guilt and uh, receiving grace. We thank you for baptism, God, and we thank you for the way that you give us new life when we put our faith and our trust in your son, Jesus. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So it is an honor for me to speak today on New Life Sunday, and it really see it as my job in the next little while to get us ready for what we're going to witness in a little bit. And our brother Cody is going to be baptized today, um, and we're going to celebrate with him. We're participating with him, welcoming into this family of new people who have been born again, receiving new life in Jesus. And so to get ready for what we're about to experience in a little while, I'm going to talk about guilt. I know that's why everybody is here today, right? Y'all got up on Sunday morning and you're like, let me go to church so I can feel guilty. I know, honestly, no one wants to talk about guilt. It's uncomfortable, right? I mean, it's something we all deal with, but we don't want to wrestle with it. And I have wrestled with it throughout my life. And here's why I think we need to talk about it, though. Because we have to know that we're guilty to receive God's grace. And that's why it's worth talking about guilt because if we know we are guilty, then we can receive God's grace. Just so I know who I'm talking to, any guilty people in the audience today? Anybody been guilty? Anybody carrying some guilt with them in here today because you hurt somebody or someone was depending on you and you let them down? I mean, guilt is weird and complex, right? You might even feel guilty for something that was done to you. You had no control over it, but you're carrying that guilt anyways. So let me share with you my story of how I've wrestled with guilt and even at times in my life how guilt has been something that's controlled me. But ultimately, what I came to realize is that God has an answer for guilt. It's called grace. Grace is simply this. It simply means undeserved favor. That's what grace is. It's undeserved favor. Take a minute with me real quick. I want you to picture somebody in your mind, somebody who knows you really well, like not just kind of the the public face that you like to put up, somebody who knows about the ways that you pretend to be better than you are, somebody who knows your dirt, some of the stuff that you've done, but somebody who loves you anyways. Somebody who, for whatever reason, they still seem to like you, even though they know exactly what you've done and where you've been. Picture that person in your mind. What does it feel like to receive their love? Because that's how God looks at you. And I know you know it in your head, but I, want, I hope you feel that today, that that's the way that God looks at you. It honestly took me a long time to get that. See, I was born into a family that talked a lot about grace. 
And it, seriously, it was a blessing to be born into the family I was born into. I had parents who loved me, who cared for me. But when I was about 15 years old, all of the good things about my family, the, the way that they taught me about Jesus, the way that they, they backed up even what they said with the way they lived, all of those good things, they started to feel like this burden. Because when people looked at me, they saw a pastor's kid, they saw the good Christian kid. That's not how I wanted to be known. Like I wanted to control my identity. I wanted, I wanted to be known by something that I could control. So that the reputation of my family, even though it was such a blessing to be born into, it began to feel like this burden I was carrying. And it was about that same time that somebody offered me marijuana for the first time. And here's what I saw when that happened. I saw an opportunity to get control of my life. I saw something that I could make my life about that existed outside of my family, something that my family would never even know about, something that I knew for sure that they would disprove of, and that was enticing to me. And over the course of the next couple years, using marijuana became kind of like the focal point of my social life with my peers. And it actually kind of worked in the way that I thought it would. Because I got this new identity. I had, I had something that when my friends at school or when my peers looked at me, they associated me with one thing. And then with my family or at church, I was somebody totally different. But here was what was happening is that in order to maintain that habit and maintain that part of my identity, I was spinning this ever deepening web of lies. And the way that I related to my family just became constant deceit betrayal. I was, doing, I was doing great damage. One night, it all caught up with me, though. My friends and I, we were out. It was my senior year of high school. We were doing what we normally did on Friday nights. And in the back of our, in the rear view mirror, we saw flashing red and blue lights filling the car. We had been caught red-handed. And I remember um, that night incredibly clearly. I remember being asked by the officers to step out of the car. And I remember sitting in the back of the squad car while the officers searched the car that we had been sitting in. And they pulled out enough, they pulled out enough um, drugs and enough other paraphernalia that they came and they told us, here's what you're guilty of in the eyes of the law. You're guilty of something called possession with intent to distribute. And they said, if you were prosecuted, that could be a felony charge. So I'm sitting in the back of the squad car, and I'm not feeling the weight of guilt yet, but what I am feeling is fear, like I just ruined my life. Like everything that I hoped would happen, everything that I dreamed could be possible with my life, I just threw it out the window. See, guilt hit me, though, the next morning when I had to look at my mom for the first time. I was home and I looked her in the eyes and um, I was just totally exposed in that moment. See, all of my lies had caught up with me. That's who I was, I was a liar. I was someone who had betrayed her trust. That's when I started to feel the guilt because I could see on her face, not anger, but I just saw pain. I just saw hurt and I knew in that moment, I did it. 
Like that was me who made her feel like that. That's when the guilt came and hit me hard. So what's your moment when you came face to face with your own capacity to hurt somebody else? And did you ever reckon with the fact that not only in that moment you, you were hurting somebody else, but you were actually wounding God with your sin? See, the scriptures say about Jesus that when he hung on the cross on our behalf, that the wounds he suffered, the, the ways that he was pierced and struck and beaten, that was our sin that did that. And I think guilt is this emotional response this powerful response that comes up in us when we realize that we have this power to inflict pain on other people. And not only that, but to actually wound God. It all goes back to the foundational story of scripture, that God created us in God's own image. And because of that, we were sent to be God's representatives in the world, given power and freedom. We were given the power to create life with God. We have immense power to do good, to love sacrificially, to affirm, to build up. We have that power, that's God-given, but we also have the freedom to misuse that power in ways that damage and manipulate and control. And what we see in the very first pages of scripture is the first humans that the Bible introduces us to, Adam and Eve. What do they do with that freedom? Well, they misuse it. They, they take what doesn't belong to, get, to them and they set their intentions against God. Guilt, it's right there, the first pages of the Bible. And we see two responses coming out of it. The first response is hiding. When we feel guilty, we hide. The Bible, the story says that Adam, when he hears God coming to call him out, when, when Adam is caught in the act, he tells God, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. I was afraid, so I hid. What was he afraid of? I think he was afraid of condemnation, right? He was afraid of judgment because he knew he'd messed up. He knew what he deserves. How many of us have hid when we feel guilty because we're afraid of condemnation? Maybe it's just a conversation that we've avoided. Like we'll do anything to dance around that topic because we know if that subject comes up, we're gonna to start to feel that in us. There might be people that we've avoided, maybe people in our own family, like we don't talk to anymore because something happened maybe years ago and we feel guilty about it, but we're hiding. We don't wanna confront it. How many of you have sat on a couch in your apartment all by yourself and you start to feel this memory come up? a memory that brings up feelings of guilt and it's just you and God sitting there and you realize in that moment, I can't even let myself think about this right now. It's too uncomfortable. Nobody else is even here to know, but even before God, I can't bring it out. I need to hide because I'm afraid of that condemnation. That's the first response to guilt is we hide. The second response is blame. Adam, the man says, to God, the woman that you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate it. She did it. It was someone else's fault. I mean, that's something we, we have been there, blaming somebody for a mistake that we've made. Or how about this? 
how about just, we didn't say anything. We let somebody else take the blame, and we could have spoken up and said, you know what, like, I probably deserve some of that blame, but nope, I'm just going to let you take that one because it feels really good. <laughs> it feels really good not to have to own that right now. Two responses to guilt we see from Scripture, hiding and blame. And these have played out in my life over and over again. But I need to finish the story of that night when, when the cops came and pulled our car over before I talk about how guilt has played this role in my life. So let me finish the story because my guilt came back a few years later because of that event, but for an entirely different reason. So I was sitting in a college classroom my senior year of college. And I was taking a class on African-American history. And for the first time ever in my life, I was hearing about policies that had been enacted by our country, specifically around drugs that had led to mass incarceration in communities of color and especially black communities. I was learning things like in the last 30 years, black men and women had been six times as likely to be imprisoned for drug-related crimes than white men and women. And look, I know that not all people of color who've used drugs have spent time in jail for it. Just like I know that not all white people who've used drugs have avoided spending time in jail. But here's what happened to me. See, on that night, I was given a totally free pass. Remember, I was guilty in the eyes of the law. I was given a free pass. I was let off scot-free, not a blemish on my record. I was given a slap on the wrist and told to go home. And I think that when the officer who was white like me pulled me out of the car, he saw essentially a good kid who had made a mistake. And in that classroom, what I couldn't avoid wondering was what would have happened if I hadn't been pulled over in a predominantly white, predominantly middle-class neighborhood? What if I hadn't been white? I had never considered until that moment in my life that the same choice that I made to use a drug like marijuana could produce totally different outcomes for people and that the color of my skin might have had something to do with the outcome that it produced for me. I heard pain and I heard anger again in that classroom. My black peers started sharing their own stories of feeling afraid in their interactions with law enforcement. They started sharing their own stories about friends and family members who had experienced um, imprisonment for, for crimes like I had committed. And I felt it again. Because I think I knew about racism as a concept, and now I saw it in actual human faces. Like I saw it in the faces of my friends, and I had flesh and blood bodies to put with it. And it made me feel implicated, like somehow it was my fault. I felt it again. I felt that wave of guilt. I learned for the first time that life is unfair and life can be unjust. And sometimes it works to my advantage. I mean, the fact that there, had, there was nothing on my record to keep me from getting a job, the fact that I just got to go to college, that even though I'd broken the law, I'd never really face any consequences for it, felt like it was coming at the expense of others whose story was much different. 
I didn't know how to make that right. How do we make that right? I mean, have you ever felt guilty because things in your life worked out to your advantage? You know, this was my experience specifically related to, to using drugs. And, um, but what about people who've got an opportunity that no one else in their family did? I've heard some of your stories, and I know that there are those of you sitting here, you've literally made it out of life or death situations. You've been the one who survived when friends or family didn't. Like, how do we reckon with the guilt that can come when we look at life and we say, it's unfair, and I'm actually benefiting from it? How did I deal with it? Well, I tried to appease my guilt like crazy. I've spent a lot of my life hiding and blaming. See, really what happened was guilt made me someone who has tried to avoid causing hurt or causing offense at any cost. Like I think I don't want to hurt someone again like I saw myself hurt my family. And so I have made myself small. I have kept this story to myself and I've retreated from opportunities to speak because I'm afraid of honestly causing offense. I'm afraid of being my full self in relationships, of bringing needs that I have into relationships because I don't wanna hurt people. And honestly, just sharing this story with you today, I was feeling afraid because of what might happen because I felt like, man, talking about something like this, this might offend somebody. But what, I'm, what I was doing, what I have done so much in my life is hide because I've been afraid of condemnation. You know, I've continued to be put in positions in my life where I see how racism has impacted the lives of people of color here in the United States and even seen more and more of some of the advantages that I've been given. And when I see that, it makes me angry. But then these moments come up where it's like, now I have a chance to actually say something. And I, I've retreated from those moments. I've hid. I've developed a skill of saying the right things or being associated with the right people. It's not because I was somehow deeply committed to justice, even though I, I want to say that I was, but honestly, so many times it was just to make myself stop feeling guilty. And I've tried to find people to blame for what I've experienced, you know? Like, feeling guilty was my parents' fault because they didn't care enough about making the world a better place. Or it was my teacher's fault because they, they taught me that the world was fair and it's not. Or it was God's fault for letting the world get this way and then asking me to do something about it. Or it was my fault for not doing enough, for never doing enough with what I'd been given. So guilt has had this powerful place in my life, but what God has taught me is that because I knew my guilt, I became capable of receiving his grace. I have learned so much about grace from the Apostle Paul. Some of you know the Apostle Paul's story, but in a snapshot, it's this. Paul is one of the most influential people to have ever lived. And aside from Jesus, Paul had more to do with the growth of the Christian faith than probably just about anybody. Paul also had more reason to feel guilty than anybody who has ever lived. Um, here's what Paul writes, and then I'll share a little bit more about his story. He says this, I don't deserve to be called an apostle because I harassed God's church. 
I don't deserve to be a leader. I don't deserve to be where I've been because I harassed God's church. I am what I am by God's grace. And God's grace it hasn't been for nothing. In fact, I have worked harder than all the others. That is, it wasn't me, but the grace of God that is with me. If you know anything about Paul's story, you know that word harassed is like the understatement of all time. See, before Paul was sent out into the world to tell people about what he had experienced because of Jesus, Paul oversaw this reign of terror. Like he made it his life mission to stamp out the Christian movement. He oversaw executions. He was responsible for raids of Christians' homes. I mean, he was like all-time enemy number, God's enemy number one. But then he encounters Jesus. And in, a, in that moment, Paul was likely expecting condemnation. He deserved it. Like he deserved to be wiped off the face of the earth, honestly, for what he had done. And instead of condemnation, Paul was commissioned. He was commissioned to say, to go take what he had experienced, this grace of God that he did not deserve, that was more powerful than anything that he had experienced, anything that he had done wrong, to go take that all over the world. He was sent out with that message. Still, though, I wonder, like, how did Paul live with himself, though? Like, can you picture speaking to an audience and the kids of people that you've had executed are sitting there listening to you? Like, how do you deal with yourself in that moment? How do you not become crippled by guilt? How do you not retreat? How do you not go into permanent hiding? How do you not try to find anyone any, or anywhere else to point the finger to try to blame someone for what you've experienced? How did he live with himself? Here's what I think Paul came to know. And I don't know if it was overnight or not. Like it probably took him a lifetime to actually learn this. But what Paul learned was that there was nothing he could ever do to earn God's favor. Paul knew that there was nothing he could ever do to make him deserve what he had received from God. And that is exactly the point. Even though Paul had founded churches, and by any account, he'd been a huge success for the kingdom of God, he knew he couldn't earn his way back into God's favor. He couldn't undo the damage. I mean, no matter how many churches he planted, he had a sense that he was fundamentally and permanently unfit for the job that he was doing. And if you know that about yourself, you can't help but give all the credit to God's grace. See, we have no control over the thing we need when we're guilty. We have some control in our life. We have control to do things that make us guilty, right? But we can't control the one thing that we need. I can't make up for pain that I've caused, whether it's to my family or whether it's to others. I can't make up for any amount of pain by being nice or being kind. I can't undo the advantages that I've experienced in my life or the times that I've stayed silent when God was calling me to speak out and to speak up. I can't undo any of that with anything that I could, would ever do. That's when I learned about grace when that finally sunk in, that grace is getting favor. It's getting the love, of getting God's love when we don't deserve it. 
grace in my life was finally receiving forgiveness from my mom. Not because she hadn't offered it over and over again, but it was finally breaking down and saying, you know what, I just need to receive this. I can't pay it back. I need to be forgiven. It was my dad who flew halfway across the country for 24 hours to see me preach my first sermon because he wanted to be sitting there so that I would know I'm proud of you. That was grace in my life. Grace has been being a part of Life Church Auburn Hills. I mean, it's the way that my family has been welcomed into this community. And I, I picture people like Pastor Don Earl or Irving and Sean or Heath and Shannon holding my son, my baby, and loving him. To me, I look at that and that's this picture of grace. I think, I don't deserve this. Like, I don't deserve to be standing up here in front of you in a place where you've given me this trust to actually speak on God's behalf, to be trusted by our amazing team, our staff. I don't deserve any of it, but I stand here and I see in my life, man, this is a sign of God's grace. I love this quote from the writer Philip Yancey. It says everything that I've been trying to say for the last like 25 minutes in one sentence. So I'm just gonna share it with you. (laughs) And I hope you remember it, it's been powerful to me. Um, It says this, that grace teaches us that God loves that God loves us because of who God is and not because of who we are. Grace teaches us that God loves us not because of who God is and not because of who we are. So let me close with this. What are a couple things that we can do today to open ourselves to receiving God's grace? So here's the first thing we can do. We can come out of hiding. As you are sitting here today, I wonder if there is some, something that you feel guilty about that kind of started bubbling up inside of you. You've maybe kept it hidden away, hidden away because you're afraid that if that comes out, someone somewhere is going to have condemnation for you. And I get that. I totally get that. I have sat there and I have kept my guilt hidden away because I have been terrified of condemnation. But This is what God wants. He wants you to come out of hiding. Maybe just as you're sitting here, let that come into your mind. And if you're feeling guilty right now, just I want you to picture that person again from the beginning of the message, that person who knows you, who knows your dirt, who likes you anyway, who loves you anyway. I want you to feel in this moment their love. I want you to feel their affection for you. I want you to feel the favor that they look at you with, even though you don't deserve it. Now imagine that God is smiling at you. He knows you inside and out. Feel God's kindness for you and tell God, I want your grace. Maybe this will lead you to, to beginning to make amends for something that you've done. There's someone you have to reconcile with. It's having that conversation that you've been avoiding or it's looking that person in the eye that you've wronged. Stop avoiding it. Address it. It'll be scary, I know, because I've done it and I felt terrified. 
but I want you to do it holding onto that image of God smiling at you, of God's pleasure and delight in you. So that's the first thing that we can do. We can come out of hiding. Here's the second thing we can do. We can exchange blame for conviction. Let me go back to what Paul says. He, he writes that God's grace hasn't been for nothing. In fact, I have worked harder than all the others. That is, it wasn't, it wasn't me, but the grace of God that is with me. That's interesting, right? It almost seems contradictory. Like, why is Paul working so hard if he can't earn grace? What does he mean? I think what he means is that he's working hard because of grace. See, grace frees you from trying to earn your way back into someone's favor, whether that's God or whether that's someone, you wrong, or someone you've wronged. And that kind of work, that work is exhausting. Trying to earn people's favor when you know you can't deserve it. That's exhausting. But that's not the kind of work that Paul is talking about. He's talking about work that comes from conviction. How will you steward the grace that you've been shown? That's what I think it means to live not, not with blame but with conviction. As we've been shown grace in our lives, maybe you have a story like mine. And God, is, as God has given you that story because it's going to be a sign of grace to somebody else. So how are you going to steward that story? How are you going to speak up when the opportunity comes? If guilt is driving you, when you witness things that are wrong in the world or you experience pain in your life, your instinct is going to be to find someone to blame for that. It might even be to blame yourself. So when you feel that, when you feel that instinct like, it's not my fault. Whose fault is it? Where can I point the finger? Notice that in yourself. Notice that instinct to blame because you know what that is? That's guilt. That's guilt controlling you and that's guilt driving you. And just in, a, in that moment, just pause. Ask God, help me see what my responsibility is instead of who is at fault. Two ways that we can accept more of God's grace. We can come out of hiding. We can exchange blame for conviction. I'm going to go ahead and invite the band um, to come up as I get ready to close and we get ready to transition into our time of baptism. I just want to say a word to us as a community because I've, I've been talking a lot about you as a person and we all bring different experiences of guilt into this room. No two stories are alike, but I do want to talk to us as a community, as a group, as a family. Because we say here at Life Church Auburn Hills that we are trying with God's help to build a community of grace. So that means that if you're a guilty person, if you carried some guilt in here with you today, know that you are totally welcome. You're absolutely welcome here. But our guilt is not welcome here. We can't keep it with us. Guilt may even be the reason that you are here in this room today. You thought, if I go to church, maybe this is going to be the first step to trying to make what is wrong that I see in the world. This is going to be the first step to making it right. That's okay. Maybe guilt brought you here, but it can't, you can't keep it here. See, being empowered and receiving grace, that's like a, a prerequisite for building any kind of genuine relationship and it's especially a prerequisite for being an authentic and a genuine community of people who look really different from one another, from people whose stories are really different from one another. 
we need to be living out of grace. We can't afford to be living out of guilt. Because we could spend all the time in the world together. We could sing together every Sunday. We could go to community groups together every single week. We could play bubble soccer every single week together. But we can still be hiding from each other. When things come up that feel offensive, or when someone misunderstands your story, or you feel accused, or you feel vulnerable, or you feel fearful, if guilt is driving us, we can hide from each other. We could even point the finger and find somebody to blame. But we're trying to build a community of grace, and so that means we need to be living out of grace, empowered by grace, because that means in those moments, we're gonna have grace to give each other. If we are empowered by grace, if we've received that from God, that means that we're gonna be full of grace for one another. See, God is trying to build something here at Life Church Auburn Hills, a sign of what, of what God intends for the whole world. God intends a world that is full of justice. God intends a world that is full of grace and peace and goodness. That's what God wants in the world. And he's trying to do that with us right here. Grace is what fuels us. Grace is how we tap into that. And grace is how we express that as a family. This is what baptism is. Baptism is this experience of saying, I am passing from an old life where guilt reigned supreme, where guilt controlled me, where I was stuck, where I was condemned. I'm taking on a new life. I'm taking on a new identity because what Jesus has done on my behalf. That's what baptism is. And so what we're gonna, what my prayer for you as a family, as we experience baptism today, yep, we're gonna celebrate with Cody when he comes up. We're gonna, we're gonna clap and cheer and rejoice with him. But here's my prayer. I hope that you experience this and I hope that we experience this as a baptism together to say, if we are carrying guilt, let's get rid of it. Let's, let's accept God's grace again afresh today. And let's live as a community empowered by the grace of God to be a witness and a sign to what God is doing in the world. Thank you for listening. If you want to learn more about us, visit us online at lifechurchopenhills.org. 